You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Hi there. Good morning. Let me tell you, you had me fooled. I didn't think you'd show today. Today, I mean, it's, this is the, the vacation month. I knew you'd find something better to do. I mean, not that going to church is a bad thing. Of course not. It's fantastic, right? So good, in fact. I think that coming today should count as your whole month's attendance. It's so hard to get here. I mean, did God say you have to be here every Sunday? I say you pat yourself on the back for a good deed well done. And while you're here, relax. I hope you have a good time and enjoy yourself. We want you to be comfortable, feel at ease. That's what this whole thing is about, to make you feel good. In fact, everything Pastor Rick is going to say should make you feel happy. And if it doesn't, maybe it doesn't apply to you. In fact, how many times doesn't it apply to you, but apply to somebody else? Nine times out of ten, a sermon does apply to somebody else, and not to you. But you know what? It's good that you're here anyway. I mean, you could hear something that would change your life. It's possible, not statistically likely, but I suppose theoretically possible. So, enjoy yourself. Whether you decide to respond or listen to the message, that's entirely up to you. You've already done your good deed for the day just by showing up. And if there's anything I can do to make you feel more comfortable, by all means, just ask. I'll be around. Even if you can't see me, I'm usually a lot closer than you think. So, I'll see you around. Well, a moment ago we had invited an actor to come and stand before you, and he did. 
he was not wearing a um, red costume and he didn't have horns or a tail. And that was intentional and he didn't stand here with a pitchfork in his hand. Because the devil, the enemy, Satan, does not usually appear to us in that way. He's usually much more deceptive. In fact, in the book of 2 Corinthians, Paul says that Satan often appears by masquerading himself as an angel of light. And so the idea of a masquerade would be to wear a mask or a costume, to not disclose their identity. And so I think when the enemy comes to us, he looks sometimes like a banker in a really nice car, or sometimes wearing a whole lot of lipstick and looking very provocatively in, their, in his dress. Um, sometimes he just looks like one of us. And, and he tries to make you think that he has your interest at heart, that he really has concern for you and your well-being and your future and what you want. But it's a lie. In the book of 1 Peter chapter 5, God's Word tells us clearly that your enemy, did you know that you have an enemy? You do. You may say, I don't want an enemy, but you have one according to the Bible. According to God's Word, you have an enemy. And the Bible even names the enemy. He says, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And so if your idea is, okay, I think I get it, I have an enemy... It's the devil and he wants to make my life harder. He wants to make my life more difficult. Then you're misunderstanding. The Bible is very clear. He is looking for somebody to destroy. And so I live my life every day with an awareness that I have an enemy, the devil. And he wants to destroy my life. He wants to destroy my marriage. He wants to get his hands on my kids. He wants to tear down what ministry God has called me to. He's not going to be happy until he destroys my life. And so he masquerades as an angel of light. He appears to be somebody else. He does not reveal his true identity. And he prowls around looking for somebody that he can destroy. And so Jesus, Jesus says, I'm going to reveal to you his true identity. I will not let him continue with the charade, with the masquerade. I will not continue to let him uh, be who he is. I'll, I'll, I'll reveal his identity to you. And what Jesus does, very clearly, he says, he is a murderer from the beginning. There is no truth in him. He is a liar. In fact, he is the father of lies. He invented lying. That's who he is. And so... I don't know, but I think when I open God's Word and I read the words of Jesus, and Jesus is so strong and so clear, and He holds nothing back, and He says, let me tell you who He really is. He was a murderer from the beginning. He is a liar, and He is the father of lies. Then, then the question that comes to my mind is, why? Then tell me Why? Would anybody, anybody ever want to listen to him? Why would anybody ever say, I'm going to listen to what he has to say? Why would anybody ever say, I'm going to take advice from this guy? 
Why would anybody ever say, I think this is a good source for me to pay attention to? Because he hates you. And he wants to destroy you. Rick, you, you really believe this, don't you? You really believe that the enemy is our... Our enemy, rather, is the devil and that he masquerades as someone else and that he wants to destroy us and that he is a murderer from the beginning and that he is a liar and the father of lies and there's no truth in him. You really believe this, right? I, I believe Jesus. And I believe the Word of God. And I think the Apostle Paul understood it very well when he says, You do realize, don't you? You do realize that our struggle, this struggle that we're in, is not against flesh and blood, right? You understand that. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but the struggle that we are in is against the rulers and the authorities and the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil. You understand that is our struggle, right? And so let me, let me share God's Word with you this morning. In, in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, Jesus is in a discussion with several Jewish people. And Jesus makes a statement about Himself. Here's what He says. He says, I, I am the light of the world. When Jesus makes that statement, it creates quite a dispute over who Jesus is. And so Jesus gets involved in the dispute. He engages in conversation. And he says to them, you are doing what you have heard from your father. And so they, they argue with him and they say, our father, our father is Abraham. I stood in our foyer two weeks ago and I talked with three young Muslim men who came here on an assignment from a class that they were taking. And one of them said to me, Pastor, you do understand, don't you, that Abraham is our father too. And so Jesus responds to that group of people standing before him that day and says, Abraham would not do the things that you are doing. And so they upped the ante and they said, well, we only have one father and that is God himself. And Jesus says to them, you belong to your father. And your father is the devil. And you only hear what he says. You're not hearing what God is saying. Because you're trying to kill me. But God sent me here. And you're not hearing what God has to say. And at the very heart of this passage that I'm going to share with you this morning is the concern that Jesus has simply is this. Who are you listening to? I remember when I was a little boy, my mama would say to me, Ricky, some people only hear what they want to hear. So I think the question that I have for you this morning is that simple. Who are you listening to? So let me take you to the words of Jesus. John chapter 8 beginning with verse 42. Okay, would you like to open a Bible with me? 
And we'll get the words on the screen for you as well. John chapter 8, verse 42. Here we go. Oh, my goodness, who is that? That is... That is my granddaughter. That is Sadie Kay. Yeah. I would have shown her your picture earlier. I didn't realize I was going to come up earlier before the prayer time, and I thought this would be my chance and I should take it. So people tell me how beautiful she is, and I say, just like her grandpa, just like her grandpa. We are so, so very, very blessed. But we know that there is an enemy who already has his sights set on Sadie. We realize that. We can't be ignorant of that fact. And so already we pray for Sadie. Amen? So let me take you to God's Word. John chapter 8, beginning with verse 42. So after Jesus says, your father is the devil, here's what he says. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you're unable to hear what I say, that's why. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. And then Jesus begins this very descriptive language about the enemy, okay? Pay very close attention to these next few words. He was a murderer from the beginning. He was always trying to take life from people. Not holding to the truth. For there is no truth. I mean, think about these words that Jesus is giving us. These are very strong words. There is no truth in him. None. When he lies, Jesus said he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and he is the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God, here's what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Um, I would understand if somebody said to me this morning, um, Rick, I don't, I don't really like the idea that we're focused so heavily for these three weeks on the devil. Um, I would like it a lot better if we could focus on Jesus and his love, or we could focus on God and his good grace and his care, or we could focus on the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't like the fact that we're going to take a few weeks in the middle of the hot summer and we're going to set those aside and we're going to talk about the father of lies. We're actually going to take a few weeks and we're going to talk about the enemy. We're going to talk about the devil. I don't really like that. Well, I would just say to you, I understand completely, I don't really like it either. In fact, I would much rather focus on God. I would much rather focus on the love of Jesus. I think there's different reasons that we have for not wanting to talk about it, though. I I grew up in a small Kentucky town hearing this phrase when sometimes somebody would walk into the room. Maybe you've heard it. Well, speaking of the devil. How many have heard that? Anybody ever said that? It always amazed me that the person who walked in the room wasn't offended by that. It actually comes from an idiom. Speak of the devil and he will appear. And so the idea is that you don't talk about the devil because if you talk about the devil, then he starts giving you a hard time. He starts hassling you more. So you don't bring it up. Because if you bring it up, he shows up. 
The Apostle Paul had a very different way of thinking about the enemy. In the 1 Corinthians chapter... I'm sorry, it's actually 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. He talks about we behave ourselves in a certain way so that Satan will not outwit us. And then he goes on to talk about how that we are not unaware of his schemes. And so Paul says, my approach is a little different than the other one you just heard about. My approach is that I want to be aware of the enemy. I want to know who he is. I want to know how he attacks. I want to know his tricks and his tactics so that I confront him. I'm able to confront him when he shows up in my life. The Bible does not say, ignore the devil and he will flee from you. That is not what the Bible says. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So I think it's very important that we educate ourselves, that we begin to understand the nature of the enemy, his tricks, his deceit, his tactics. And we must be able to confront him with the Word of God. I think it's important to kind of hit a pause button for just a moment and remind you that neither does the Bible say in the beginning, in the beginning was, was God and the devil. It does not say that. We do not have this dualism in our theology that there is good and evil, both equally powered, fighting for our souls. That's not true. The Bible says in the beginning there was God. We believe God is the supreme power. God is all-powerful. When you open your Bible to the book of Isaiah chapter 14, you read these words. Oh, how you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer. And we see the enemy as the fallen one. I was, I was doing some study in preparation for the series and, and I learned that the Bible references the enemy with about 40-some different names. And so when I read the passage to you this morning, we heard him referred to as the devil, as the liar, as the father of lies. In 2 Corinthians, Paul refers to him as Satan. And so there are many, many others. The wicked one. The tempter. The thief, the deceiver, the accuser, the adversary, the God of this age, on and on and on. The Bible speaks carefully and often about the fact that we have an enemy. So let me take a few minutes this morning and talk to you about Jesus' descriptive words, okay? Let's, let's begin this way, all right? I was, uh, I was in Cincinnati this past week, and on Wednesday afternoon, we headed to the hospital with Brittany. Um, we were both excited and a little bit nervous. And so as we got into the hospital and walking toward where she needed to be, uh, my phone was going nuts. So finally, I just said, I'm, I'm going to catch you guys there. And I just kind of stopped in the hallway because I felt like I had a good signal. And I started trying to figure out why I was getting so many texts and calls just kind of immediately. And, and it was people here trying to inform me what had happened just, just a few you know, minutes ago. With this family that is a part of our church whose last names are Gustafson's. 
We have a picture of them. I, I thought maybe that you, you might say, I wish, I wish I knew them. This is, this is who they are. And so that's Jay, the father, and then Candy, and then, and then that's Daniel, he is four, and then Isaac in Candy's lap. Only three. And so Candy took Daniel and Isaac to a McDonald's on Wednesday afternoon and they were playing in the play area and they were eating lunch together and so when they decided to leave they walked out into the parking lot and they were struck by a car. And so little Daniel who was four only had scratches, who was four he only had scratches. Candy has a broken ankle and lots of cuts and lots of bruises. But little Isaac who was three did not survive. Um, he was killed instantly. And so an hour or so later, I was able to talk with Jay and Candy on the phone. And she wanted to ask me something. She said, we found out a year ago, Pastor, that Isaac is autistic, and that's been quite a challenge for us. really worried about him and what his future is like, trying to learn how to be a good parent. But in these last few days, God has seemed to give me this promise that says he has a future for Isaac. And she says to me, Pastor, surely, surely this isn't God's future for Isaac. Surely this wasn't God's plan. And so we talked for a while, and I said to her, I said, Candy, listen to me, okay? I want you to understand that this is not God. God doesn't do this to three-year-old little boys. This isn't God's design. This is not God's plan. This was not what God desired. This is not what God intended. This is not what God dreamed. Candy, we live in a fallen world. And we have an enemy. And because we live in a fallen world, sometimes really bad things happen to people. And I'm so sorry this has happened to your family. The very next day, Pastor Lewis McLean calls me and says, Pastor Rick... Dan Stroud was in the hospital for an infection related to his gallbladder. Dan's only 61. Pastor Rick, Dan just passed away. I, I couldn't believe it. And when I talked to Carla, I, I expressed that. I said, Carla, this seems unreal to me. It seems like it's not possible to me. I mean, if you know Dan, Dan is as full of life as anybody. How in the world could this be? People don't die from this, do they? So if you just kind of hang on to all of that for just a moment, would you just do that? Would you just kind of set that over here for just a minute? When Jesus begins to talk about the enemy, okay? When he says, no more masquerading. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reveal his true identity. 
No more pretending. No more disguises. I'm going to tell you who he is and what he is. Do you know what Jesus says about the enemy? Jesus says, let me tell you, he has been a murderer from the very beginning. His desire all along was to take life from people. That's who he is. That's what he does. He kills. And so we see that reference to the beginning back in Genesis chapter 3. The first reference we have to the enemy. Adam and Eve are in the garden. And so the enemy appears to Eve in the form of a serpent. And what does the serpent say to Eve? So did God really say that you cannot eat from any tree in the garden? I mean, look at all the trees and all the fruit. Did God really say that you can't eat from any tree? He knew God did not say that. It was deceit. That's one of his tricks. Can I get you to doubt? Can I get you to question? And so what does Eve say? Oh, no, he didn't. He didn't say that we couldn't eat from any tree, but he did say that we cannot eat from the tree in the middle of the garden because if we eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, we will surely die. And you know what the enemy said to Eve? You will not surely die. He lied. Because he is a liar and he is the father of lies. Knowing that when Adam and Eve took the bite from that tree, that life as they knew it, life without guilt, life with unhindered relationship and fellowship with God would no longer exist. There was death on the other side of that bite. He lies. And so my question is, why would anybody, why would anybody say, you know what, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to pay attention. I think I might just listen to what he has to say. I think I might just hear him out on this one. Do you know what's at the heart of this passage? Do you know where Jesus is in this whole conversation with the people who are standing in front of him? Do you know what he's getting at? Do you know what he's trying to say? Do you know the question he's trying to confront them with? The heart of Jesus' message to them is who are you giving an ear to? Can you just stop and pay attention? Could you just stop and realize who you're listening to? Who has your ear? Why is my message unclear to you, he says to them. Why are you not hearing what I have to say? Because you're listening to your father, the devil, and you're trying to carry out his desires. Why would you listen to him? Why would you give him a moment in your mind? Why would you ponder any of his words? Why would you pay attention to anything that he has to say? Why would you let him rationalize anything away? Why would you pay any attention to the father of lies? If, if you made an appointment with me and you, and you said... Um, I want to come by your office and talk to you about something. And so you sit down in my office 
And you said to me, Pastor Rick, recently someone, so-and-so, called me a liar. Am, am I a liar? Well, I would say to you, because the person called you a liar does not make you a liar. You know whether or not you've told lies or if you're lying. The person could have been really upset at you and out of anger called you a liar. The person could have been misinformed and truly misunderstood a situation and thought you were lying and called you a liar. But just because a person calls you a liar doesn't mean you're a liar. But listen to me, okay? If Jesus, if Jesus, Jesus, if Jesus says you're a liar, you're a liar. And Jesus says, no longer am I going to allow the masquerade. No longer am I going to allow the disguise. I'm going to call him out for who he is. He is not only a murderer, but he is a liar. And he is the father of lies. I remember, I remember a year or so ago preaching a uh, series on fear. And so for the several weeks leading up to the series, I, I began to ask people, so tell me what you're afraid of. And, and people are very quick to tell me, oh, I'm afraid, and I remember it was just a long, long list. I would walk in a restaurant and say to the server, so what are you afraid of? And they would tell me. I mean, everybody was glad to tell me. When I began to prepare for this series, I realized you can't really ask people, what lies does the enemy tell you? It's much too personal. Uh, the reason I know that is because I tried, like twice. And I just kind of got blank stares, like, are you prying into my life? And so I began to ask the question differently. I began to say to people, so what lies do you think the enemy tells people? And so I began to hear lots of examples. People began to say things like, uh, the enemy says... Nobody will ever know. That was one of the more common ones. Nobody will ever know. Go ahead. Who's going to find out? The, the only problem with that lie is that when I open the Bible, the Bible tells me that there is nothing that is hidden from God and that He sees all things. And that one day I will stand before him on judgment day and I will give an account for every deed done while on this earth, whether good or bad. Another that I heard often was, was this. Um, the enemy often tells people, Pastor Rick, God just wants you to be happy. When I open the Bible... What I read is that God just wants you to live in obedience to His Word. Well, Pastor Rick, don't you think God wants people to be happy? I think happy is an emotion that comes and goes, and God wants something much deeper for you than an emotion that comes and goes. God wants you to be joy-filled. God wants you to be peace-filled. God wants you to be content. God wants much more for you than a fleeting emotion. Someone said to me, I think, I think the enemy tells us stuff like this. I think the enemy tells us that, that sins like gossip, you know, slander, those kinds of sins, they're not nearly as bad as those other sins that are a whole lot more fun. 
but we all know they are. And so Jesus says, he lies. There is no truth in him. When he talks to you, he lies. When he lies, he speaks his native language. We were in a, a little uh, parlor, a uh, cafe the other day, Annette and I were, and we were eating some lunch. And so there was a lady on a phone just over a table or two from us, and she was talking to somebody. And you begin to realize, okay, she's not speaking English. And, and I'm listening in, trying to kind of hear what, what language is she speaking. And Annette says to me, hey, Rick, what language is she speaking? I said, I know, I'm trying to figure it out myself, but I can't hear. It's a lot of people talking. And finally, I said to Annette, I think she's speaking German. Wondered if that was her native language. What do you speak? Most of you would say English is my native language. I speak a form of that. I was raised in Kentucky, a dialect. <laughs> and Jesus says, when he, when he lies, what you're hearing is his native language. That's how he talks. That's the only way he knows how to talk. That's all he's ever been able to speak. He lies. So, it's Family Worship Sunday. And um, we got kids in the room this morning. And sometimes I've tried to get a little help. And so... Let me kind of bring the thing to a close by getting some help from a pretty little girl that I met earlier. Where are you? Are you over there somewhere? Can you jump up and run this way to me? Can you come really fast? And so I sometimes just go looking for help. And so when I found her, she said that she would help me. Look at you. Come running. My goodness. Way to go. So you've got to tell me your name again. Nevaeh. Nevaeh. You're beautiful. Did you know that? Turn around so they can see you. Look at there. How old are you, Nevaeh? You're six years old, and I saw you studying with your grandpa over there, right? Yeah. Yeah. You come to church with him every Sunday? Yeah. Pretty neat. Pretty neat. Well, I'm glad you're here. So I've got something over here for you, okay? And my friend Bob helped me put this together. And um, what do you think's under this? Do you have any idea? Well, here we go. Oh, you like that, huh? Did you see Nevaeh's face? Well, Nevaeh, I was at a party not too long ago, and some people had all these kinds of things out like that. And what they had was a bag, and you could just take a scooper, and you could just scoop all you wanted in the bag. And I thought that was a pretty neat idea. You think that's a pretty neat idea? Yeah, I think it is too. So, you've been hearing me preach. I'm over here. And uh, about, about, about the devil this morning, could you just give me a summary of the sermon to this point? No, I'm teasing. I wouldn't ask you. But you could? You've been listening? Yeah. Okay. He's a liar, right? That's what Jesus says. He tells lies. And so one of the lies that I think he most often uses when we're very young, I think that one of the lies that he tells is that a little bit is okay. You can just do it a little bit and it would be okay. And so whether that's telling a lie, so he may say, Nevaeh, you tell the truth all the time. You have all of this good in your life. So if you just tell one lie, it, it won't hurt anything, okay? 
Or he might tell you, you're good to all these other kids. You can be mean to this kid, and it's, it's okay. Or he might tell you, Neviah, you obey your grandpa and your parents all the time, okay? So, so if you disobey them this time, it's not going to hurt. Just a little bit doesn't hurt. And that's one of the tricks that he uses. He, that's just one of his best lies, okay? But there's a guy whose name is the Apostle Paul. And, and he talks about a little bit of leaven, leavens the whole lump. And he's talking about when you put yeast into dough. And you put it all together that the yeast goes all through the dough. And he's really talking about sin. Okay? He's talking about lies and being disobedient and being unkind, those kinds of things. So, got to remember that because we're going to go over here and I want you to make you a bag of something. Okay? So, here's the, here's the bag. You can hold it open. And here is this. Can you reach it or is it better if I hold it down here for you? Do you want me to hold the bag and you scoop it in? Is that better? Okay, you do the scooping. Well, I know. It's not great. Uh, We probably should get where people can see. Okay. I don't know how long it's going to take us, depending on how hungry Neviah is. How are we doing? Good. How about if we do it this way? Is that better? Is that enough? All right. Good deal. This is one of my favorite food groups right here, chocolate. All right. Want some M&M's? Okay, scoop some in. You know, you get to take this with you, right? Okay. So you want to do it this way? Is that better? Is that pretty good? All right. All right, and then we got these over here. What are these? Like whoppers or something? Ooh. Why don't we just move to this program? You hold that bag with one hand right there, and we'll just pour just to save time, okay? So we're losing a few casualties there. Okay. Is that good? All right. Now, I have one other ingredient that I want you to consider, okay? You hold the bag in your hand. And this is something that my friend Bob got for me, okay? And he went down to the Chinese market and he asked them, and this is called fermented fish, okay? (laughs) So, I want you to just take a smell of that and tell me how it smells. (laughs) It's that bad smell again, really deep smell. Yeah. Not too good. Oh, my goodness. So, let me get a spoon. We won't use the big scoop this time. Hold your bag open really wide. And would you be okay if we put some of this in here? No, you wouldn't. You're messing up my illustration here, okay? You want to smell it again? It smells really bad. So if you put a little bit in there, what do you think it would do to all your candy? Mess it up. It would mess it up. It would make it all smell really bad. Yeah. So when I'm saying, no, but Neviah, listen to me. We put a lot of M&Ms, and we put a lot of Whoppers, and we put a lot of caramel corn. We're just going to put a little bit of this. A little bit, it's not going to hurt. You're going to say, yes, it would, right? (laughs) It seemed like a good illustration at the time. Thank you so much for your help. Would you give Nevaeh a hand? Come on off. 
Castillas. Well, um, do you kind of get the point anyway? <laughs> I, I don't want to leave you hanging until the end of the series on this because I think there's something really important for me to say to you, and that is that when I open the Bible, also read these words. And the words are, greater is he that is in me, Jesus, than he that is in the world, the enemy. And when you read the very last book of the Bible, here's what you learn. That Satan has been defeated and he will one day be destroyed. And we win. So journey with me over the next few weeks, will you? As we we focus on on getting ourselves ready for battle because it is a war and he is serious but Jesus is on our side so in a moment I'm going to ask you to stand with me and um, Kyle is going to come and uh, we're going to sing together and I'd love to take some time to pray you you may say Rick you, you tend to do that a lot You you tend to give lots of opportunities for people to pray on Sunday morning. I think, I think probably the reason that I do is that just being around the altar many times on Sunday morning, I realize that God is doing so much here beyond what the sermon was about. And He's working in people's lives. And so it may be this morning that God has spoken to you and you realize I'm, I'm hearing what I want to hear. And I'm not listening to God. I'm listening to the enemy. And why would I do something like that? Maybe this morning you need to confess that. And you need to be forgiven. So you can find that here. But it may also be this morning that you are not a Christ follower. That you're not a Christian. That you would say, I've not been forgiven of my sins. I... I'm not at a place in my life where that Jesus has changed my heart. I've not been born again. And you want to come and you want to be forgiven of your sins and you want to be born again. You want your heart to be transformed. You want Jesus to change you. You can can experience that today. It may be that some of you want to come and pray for these families that we've been mentioning this morning who are going down some very, some very dark roads. It amazed me when I listened to that little family yesterday as I sat in their kitchen talk about the way this church has surrounded them in love. She said, our house has been full ever since it happened, and I love it. I'm so thankful. There's people here all the time. They're a part of a wonderful class called the Family Circus, and they've reached out to them in so much love. And so maybe this morning you want to you pray for them. You want to ask God's richest blessings on them during this time. It may be that you want to be anointed for healing. We'll have pastors here on each side and they'd be glad to anoint you with oil and pray for you. 
It may be that you just want to find a place to pray. So let's stand together. And as we sing, if you want to come, you're welcome to come this morning. to um, to come up if you like and uh, feel free to leave as you're ready just leave quietly today God bless you you're dismissed you have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene visit us online at bethanynaz.org